Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled Paul's Ministry in Thessalonica, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Before I continue, I just wanted to pass along a little note that we have fixed a bad cable in our audio setup. Our final sound is now peaking at minus 3 dB, so it should be a little louder, but not much. Please adjust your volume accordingly, whether wearing headphones or not. Last week, we continued in the passage found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. In our examination last week, we looked at the remaining six verses in this section of examination. This should continue to show you just how jam-packed are these two New Testament books. One of the key takeaway points was this. The gospel is a system of truth and sincerity. Can you see and hear a, quote, system, end quote, of truth and sincerity in what you hear in the council, teachings, and preaching you listen to? Do you know what the truth is so you know it when you hear it? This week, our examination continues in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, part 3. I think you can see there is a lot more than just the second coming of Christ in these two books. To be certain, we will be examining that subject when Scripture brings us to it. I really want you to see that there is much more in these two books of Thessalonians. So. Without further delay, let's start. For you recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery, by working night and day so as not to impose a burden on any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, as to how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was toward you who believe. As you know, we treated each one of you as a father treats his own children, exhorting and encouraging you and insisting that you live in a way worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and his glory. And so we too constantly thank God that when you received God's message that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human message, but as it truly is. God's message, which is at work among you who believe. For you became imitators, brothers and sisters, of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, 
because you too suffered the same things from our own countrymen as they in fact did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us severely. They are displeasing to God and are opposed to all people because they hinder us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. Thus, they constantly fill up their measure of sins, but wrath has come upon them completely. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-16 through 16. Let us break this down and examine the first four verses in this passage. For clarity, I will read only them again. For you recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery by working night and day so as not to impose a burden on any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, as to how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was toward you who believe. As you know, we treated each one of you as a father treats his own children, exhorting and encouraging you and insisting that you live in a way worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and his glory. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-12 through 12. How hard did Paul, Silas, and Timothy work? Is it more than just Paul, as verse 9 starts? For you recall, brothers and sisters, our... If it were Paul alone, he would have written verse 9 this way. For you recall, brothers and sisters, my toil and drudgery. What purpose did that hard work do for those in Thessalonica? Verse 9 starts to answer these two important questions. It reads, For you recall, brothers and sisters, our toil and drudgery by working night and day so as to not impose a burden on any of you, comma, we preach to you the gospel of God. Are there two joined thoughts here? Did they work day and night as well as preaching the gospel? Barnes' New Testament notes reads on verse 9, Ye remember, Brethren, our labor, doubtless in the occupation of a tent maker, and travail. The word means worrisome labor. Reference Acts chapter 20, verse 34, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. So, with this commentary, we can clearly realize that they worked day and night with all that to keep from being a burden to those they were teaching and preaching to, they preached the gospel. This is more clearly understood in the first verse reference, Acts chapter 20, verse 34. It reads, You yourselves know that these hands of mine provided for my needs and the needs of those 
who were with me. Acts chapter 20, verse 34. Commentary on this verse reads, By your own acquaintance with my manner of life, in Corinth he had lived and labored with Apollos, and he refers elsewhere to the fact that he had supported himself, in part at least, by his own labor. From Barnes New Testament Notes In America today, in non-service-related work, we predominantly work an eight-hour day, five consecutive days each week. Generally, this is Monday through Friday, with Saturday and Sunday being work-less days. Two days we can rest, or do work we choose to do, or be desirably easy in manner, and simply do what we want, when we want, if we want. However, Paul, at the very least, was a tent maker who worked day and night, as well as finding the time to preach the gospel also. Brothers and sisters, do we put that much effort into correctly sharing the gospel today? For us, it is much easier to share the gospel given our work schedule, as previously noted. Yes, we all work overtime periodically. Yet, Paul worked as a tent maker day and night while still finding the time to not just preach the gospel, but to study the needed scriptures to preach correctly. When have any of us ever put that much time and effort into correctly preaching the gospel? On these points, commentary reads, For laboring day and night, that is, when he was not engaged in preaching the gospel, he appears to have labored through the week and to have preached on the Sabbath, or if engaged in preaching in the daytime during the week, he made it up by night labor. We preached unto you the gospel of God. That is, I supported myself when I preached among you. No one, therefore, could say that I was disposed to live in idleness. No one that I sought to make myself rich at the expense of others. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Further commentary also reads, Because we would not be chargeable to any of you, neither to the whole body nor to any single person, which shows that they did not seek their own ease and worldly interest, and proves what is before asserted, that they did not use a cloak of covetousness, but chose to forego and not insist on what they had a right to, lest the gospel should be hindered or reproached. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Therein is our example of how we today should be in our pursuit of our faith and deeper understanding of the Bible. 
It also sets a standard for how we should support ourselves while we also witness to others. If we are not willing to not be a financial burden to those we witness to, how can we expect them to have a willing heart and willing ears to hear as well as be willing to process what we are telling them so they too will desire salvation in Christ? Scripture reads, You are witnesses, and so is God, as to how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was toward you who believe. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. If this verse is not true, what does it say? Notice what the verse just said. You, who are the Thessalonians, are being witnesses to, and God is a witness as well. They are witnesses to what? Witnesses to, quote, how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was toward you who believe, end quote. When, in what American church, has there been this form of accountability? Frequently, judgment and sentencing is where many church structures are today. Little in the way of forgiveness and proper instruction is used today to properly raise a church with the ultimate goal of securing the salvation of others who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. In America, it is much more about money and stature than what is the real mission as outlined here so far. Please, not all American churches are this way, but many churches require careful overview if we might attend a new church in America. A new church one might attend regularly. The church exists for two main simple purposes. One, to gather and properly grow believers in the faith. Two, to bring others into the fold of Christ in what is commonly seen today as the local church where Christ lives. Notice, while the same in some ways, these two notes are also different. Scripture continues, As you know, we treated each one of you as a father treats his own children, exhorting and encouraging you and insisting that you live in a way worthy of God who calls you to his own kingdom and his glory. And so, we too constantly thank God that when you received God's message that you heard from us, you accepted it not as human message, but as it truly is. God's message, which is at work among you who believe. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Verse 13 is the completion of this particular thought by providing the reasoning and understanding of verses 11 through 12. So, what did those two verses say? In commentary, 
two things were said, three things are also noted. Commentary reads, How we exhorted, that is, to a holy life, and comforted in the times of affliction, and charged, in the Greek testified, the word testify is used here in the sense of protesting or making an earnest and solemn appeal. They came as witnesses from God of the truth of religion and of the importance of living in a holy manner. They did not originate the gospel themselves or teach its duties and doctrines as their own, but they came in the capacity of those who bore witness of what God had revealed and required, and they did this in the earnest and solemn manner, which became such an office, as a father doth his children, with an interest in your welfare, such as a father feels for his children, and with such a method as a father would use. It was not done in a harsh, dictatorial, and arbitrary manner, but in tenderness and love. From Barnes' New Testament Notes This is a powerful interpretation of these verses. In what American church do we find this thinking and attitude towards others who believe or who are unsaved? In America, we are quick to discharge people from our church fold instead of working with them, as Paul so clearly did in this passage alone. The first full statement in this commentary passage, is extremely strong in today's American church. It read, in the Greek, testify. The word testify is used here in the sense of what? Protesting or making an earnest and solemn appeal. They came as witnesses from God. Did you hear that? From God of the truth of religion and of the importance of living in a holy manner. They did not originate the gospel themselves. End quote. If you look around the internet and in American churches, many so called Christians act and tell the things in the Bible as if they alone know the Bible and own them themselves. This is incorrect, people. We need to understand this clearly. We are sharing a gospel we believe, but do not own, period. It is in this regard we read in commentary the following, as a father doth, or as a father does his children, with an interest in your welfare, such as a father feels for his children, 
and with such a method as a father would use. It was not done in a harsh, dictatorial, and arbitrary manner, but in tenderness and love. Did you notice that last sentence? It read, for clarity, it was not done in a harsh, dictatorial, and arbitrary manner, but in tenderness and love. Where does telling someone to leave your church find a place in this comment? This commentary statement said we are to handle others in, quote, tenderness and love, unquote. I have friends that were told to leave a church until they got their act together or to seek worldly help outside the church because the burden carried by the believer was too difficult to deal with in the present church body in question. When they have acquired that help, when they are more stable, in most cases they can return to the body in question. I am not seeing that response here in Scripture. Nowhere else in Scripture, for that matter, also. When are we going to receive these people into the church at large, pray for them, and see God heal them? The answer to that question is never. Until we are willing to be their disciple, to be their help in time of need, if we pray earnestly, God will hear us and heal such people. I know because I've seen it in the good churches. However, as long as we continue to pat someone on the back and say, I will pray for you, we will continue to see what we see now. Nothing! By the time we make the short ride home from church, we have already forgotten that person, no matter how near and or important to us they are. This is in part why the American church is so lifeless in many places. Not all, but many. So, this scripture passage ends this discussion with the following. And so we too constantly thank God that when you received God's message that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human message, but as it truly is, God's message, which is at work among you who believe. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. If, like me, we can see many of the failings of the present-day church, as Scripture points out, the next three verses tell us how we can begin to fix this problem. They say, For you became imitators, brothers and sisters, of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, because you too suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they in fact did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and persecuted us severely. They are displeasing to God and are opposed to all people because they hinder us 
from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. Thus, they constantly fill up their measure of sins, but wrath has come upon them completely. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. The final sentence here speaks to many, not all, but many of today's American churches. It read, Thus, they constantly fill up their measure of sins, but wrath has come upon them completely. While that wrath may have or could be presently seen in some measure, I doubt it is the full wrath of God as implied by the writing here. Nonetheless, it could be. However, I also doubt his wrath will not be fully realized in the way we may be able to understand or even think as reasonable. His wrath is what it is, regardless of what we think. Fortunately, right now, there is time to repent in this era of grace. In commentary, we read, As of the Lord and of the Apostle, so of the churches of God that were before them, who were gathered out of the world by the grace of God, and who were united in the fear of God, and assembled together for his worship, to bear a testimony to his truth and ordinances, and for the glory of his name. These they followed in the faith and order of the gospel, and, quote, became like, end quote, them. As the Syriac and Ethiopic versions render the word, or, quote, equal, end quote, to them, were upon an equal foot with them, as the Arabic, that is, in suffering, reproach, and persecution for the gospel, as the latter part of the verse shows, and their bearing these with patience, courage, and constancy was a proof that the word of God had a place and wrought effectually in them, otherwise they would never have endured such things as they did, and as other churches did, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. This commentary passage makes at least one really good thing to note by us. Quote, As the Lord and of the Apostle, so of the churches of God that were before them, who were gathered out of the world by the grace of God, and who were united in the fear of God, and assembled together for this worship, to bear a testimony to his truth and ordinances, and for the glory of his name. These they followed in faith and order of the gospel, and, quote, became like, end quote, them. That alone says a lot about where we really should be today, especially in the world we are living in right now. Next week, we will examine the subject titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica in chapter 2 and chapter 3. Verse 19 reads, For who is our hope 
or joy or crown to boast of before our Lord Jesus at his coming. It is not, of course, you. Whoa! Play or download next week's episode titled Forced Absence from Thessalonica. Download this episode next week from one of our podcast hosts or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. All other quotes bear the source they are from. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website. Our subdomain hosted at site123.com is unchurched.site123.me. This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Church. Again, Church of the Un, insert dash symbol, Church. To find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Anchor, to name a few. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore host all episodes on our backup host, www.podcasts.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is 
www.podcasts.com or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.